I'm just here tonight because I did a, a Zoom talk about a week ago and at a school, I've been doing a few in the last few weeks and I decided to tape it and thought I might put it on as a podcast. So I hope you enjoy tonight's uh, podcast and get something out of it. It's about supporting your child at school and it was aimed at primary school children and new kindergarten parents. Thanks. Welcome everybody tonight. Thank you so much for coming along and uh, being here on our Zoom. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, supporting your child at school. As I understand, most of you are either starting school this year or uh, have a child already uh, in primary school. And so the first thing I normally ask parents in a workshop and get them to talk to each other about is what you are expecting your child to be as an adult. So what sort of values and morals do you want them, would you like them to have when they become an adult? Because when, when we're working on something, we like to have a goal in mind. We usually have a goal in mind and what, what our expectation is. So what sort of values and morals would you have? So normally I get answers that range from resilience around coping well, being able to bounce back after problems uh, happen or challenges occur. Another one is confidence in themselves, having confidence, being able to understand themselves well, know themselves well, to be trusting, uh, have honesty, self-respect as well as being able to be respectful to others. That's also another one that's very common. So we're looking at those areas. How do we actually build those areas in our children? How do we build those those values and those morals? Well, the first place, of course, has to be in the home. Our children are going to face a lot of things at school, but the way they cope with those things at school is going to be determined very much by what they see at home and the examples that are set at home and the practice that they get at home in being able to hone those skills that they need to make sure that they feel safe, respected and happy and that they're able to give that same sense of safety, respectfulness and happiness to others that they care about in their life. So we want to try and have a parenting style that is both balanced and democratic. And by that we mean to be able to be firm and kind at the same time. And sometimes people say, oh, we can't do that at the same time. But it is possible if we have strategies in place, rules in place, consequences in place that allow us as parents to be calm, to be able to put those rules and strategies and consequences in place so that our children know exactly where they stand. And should they uh, question something, that you're there ready and willing to listen to that and be able to negotiate and discuss calmly a way around that or a solution to that. So to support our child at school, we have to begin at home first. In building strong family environments, we create a safe, secure place for our children. And if that's secure and safe, then anything else around that, going to school, going to work as adults, it's able to be coped with. If we have problems 
with our family at home and then we have to come to school at the same time and be learning all the social skills, the social etiquettes as well as the academic skills, that becomes far more difficult for a child. So building a strong environment at home also allows our children to feel that sense of belonging which is a need that we all have and fulfilling that sense of belonging means that they know where they are, they know their place, they know that they are safe, they know that they are loved, they know that if they weren't there someone would notice. If we can't fulfill that sense of belonging at home then of course we start to look for a sense of acceptance and belonging elsewhere. But children will always, the first place that they will be looking for it and the first place that they will try to fulfill that sense is in the home with our families. It is the strongest or can be the strongest influence on our children if we make sure that uh, that environment is a place where they can achieve those or fulfill those needs. So it is the strongest place. Some people say, oh, you know, my child's being, you know, badly influenced by other kids or uh, the group that they're in or the children that they play with. And that is so, they are influenced by that. But having said that, studies do show that ultimately family is the strongest influence if that family is a place where they feel loved and uh, respected and secure. The other area, of course, to support your child's school is to create a loving and nurturing environment at home. And that, again, same thing, uh, wanting to make sure that our children feel loved and a sense of belonging and a sense of empowerment all coming from that family environment so that they don't have to look for it elsewhere. So the first thing I usually talk about how to go about making sure that that environment is a safe, loving and nurturing environment is uh, to make sure that you look after yourself first. Because as parents, if we don't care, take care of ourselves, then we can't take care of proper care of our children. And we can't make sure that that environment is a safe and happy one. So like in the plane where they say if the oxygen mask comes down, you as a parent you have a child with you then you take that oxygen mask first and then get an oxygen mask for your child because if you're not right then they won't be right so let's look at the basics of what we can do to help our children achieve at school and be able to be happy at school as well is to look at the basics which is what they eat first up Make sure that it's nutritional meals. Make sure that they're all um, balanced and not too much of the, the packaged uh, items and the processed items. Primary schools usually have a crunch and sip time, which is usually around the 10 o'clock mark. And in that time, they're expected to eat pieces of fruit or pieces of vegetables raw vegetables and some water so that they again have the ability to concentrate longer and harder and every teacher will tell you that uh, if they have a special charity event or event to raise some money such as a donut day or a, uh, a cake day or a cake stall day that uh, once they've had those donuts or cakes well the rest of the day is probably going to be a bit of a write-off because of the sugar 
uh, hit that they that they get. So always make sure that they have a well balanced diet and that the sugar sugary items are limited. And explain to them why. Give them that education as well while you're actually doing it and when you're at the shops and making sure that those things are just not in the cupboard. That's the safest way. How they sleep, uh, the amount of sleep children have, the ability to utilise their body clock uh, as well to help them fall asleep. That's a really important part uh, of their day. And important part of their day is the evening routine and going to bed. So trying to make sure that it's calm in the evening and that they're able to wind down to be able to sleep and get them to bed on time every day if you can. Certainly during the weekdays, if you have them in bed on time, their body clock will take over eventually and they'll be going to sleep within 10, 20 minutes of being in bed. And they don't have to sleep. You can say to them, you know, it's okay. Just I just need you to be in bed ready for sleep when it comes. What they watch is also, of course, really important. So first of all, screen time in general, uh, up to the age of two years old, there shouldn't be any screen time, really. Uh, And that's the recommendation uh, from studies. And screen time uh, for primary school children, really, look, they get a fair bit of screen time at school already. So it's not a necessity to have them on screen time. It's not something, don't feel like your child is missing out on any learning capabilities if they're not having screen time during the weekdays. In fact, it's probably better not to. They already have it at school to a degree. Then there's something special that they can do on the weekends. Our kids never, I always had them uh, without screen time during the weekdays on school terms and uh, on the weekends just one hour each uh, I think it was on the Saturday and so then they they put the one hour each together and had three hours together playing um, together on the screens that's fine that was okay they were all happy I was happy with that but limit the time they watch also looking at things like YouTube uh, and movies Uh, the ratings watch the ratings there's a reason for those ratings and children need to don't need to be watching things that can affect them cognitively it affects them uh, in their processing their ability to process things if they see things that are really beyond their years and adult themed items so be really aware of that certainly in the primary school years so let's have a look at uh, how family should function generally. Uh, I always relate it to the macro which is the way our community functions uh, and our society functions in Australia at least and that is in a democratic way. So how does a democracy work? So okay let's have a look at that. There's designated leaders, there are designated rules which we must follow, there are consequences if the rules are not followed, There's freedom of speech. You may not like some of the rules and you are free to complain about them. There is a process you may work through to try and change the rules that you don't like. Uh, But no matter how hard you work, some rules just may never change. And that's how we work as a democracy and how we work in society and individually. we, We feel that we are empowered to a degree because we are able to uh, question things and challenge things 
and that's that's okay. And we don't really have to don't get shut down by that. But uh, and they get heard, but they don't necessarily uh, get acted upon. And we're okay with that as long as you know there are things that we can feel empowered by. It's not necessary to have everything in our power. So it's important for our children to understand that too, that not everything is within their power and they don't get to have everything. And they do need to consider others uh, within the family unit. They need to consider each other's feelings and needs and desires and try to cooperate with those as well as trying to achieve their own needs and uh, requirements. So how do we do that? Well I usually talk about that quite often about having family meetings or just a family, you don't have to call it a meeting, a family get together and making it a regular thing uh, so that everybody um, knows that it's going to happen each week and they can rely on that consistency. And within that meeting then to discuss the problems that you might be having anything that you want to change in the rules, for example, or anything that any one of the family members uh, wants to stop or discuss or adjust or change. Holding that family meeting regularly is really important for that. Have a agenda list or agenda box or uh, where they can write down any things that they want to raise in the meeting so that everybody has an opportunity to raise things in the meeting. Use a talking bag or bean bag or a stick stuffed toy so that the person who has that bag is the person who speaks and everybody else then needs to be listening and everybody affords everybody else that opportunity all the time. Everyone takes turns to be a chairperson maybe or a writer, you may have a timer as well. So give each person or give a couple of people in turn a uh, opportunity to lead that meeting. That way parents are not seen as the people enforcing something, that it is seen as a equal opportunity for all. And to be everyone maintain uh, respect and kind uh, words and interactions at all times, that would be the only thing that parents are really there for, to enforce that rule of respectfulness, kindness and safe safety. Family meetings can cover many things, but uh, one particular area which I think is probably the most, uh, that would be covered the most, would be about the ever-changing, uh, ever-evolving rules in the, in the family home. And they're always changing and evolving because the ages are changing and evolving all the time and circumstances change and evolve and what kids are doing, uh, where they're going, what they're spending their time on and etc. So the family rules and agreements might be set around TV time, computer time, uh, screen time in general. It might be set around uh, swearing. You may say decide as a family that you don't want to have swearing. Uh, hopefully you do decide as a family to have no physical hurting because as a society we don't encourage physical hurting. In fact, we discourage it by, by making it illegal. 
to do so. And even to the point where now we have the one punch rule, which means even if you punch someone out and it's not your intention to uh, have that person hit the pavement, the concrete, and then uh, die, uh, you still will have eight years imprisonment for it. So the the message there is that society is saying don't do it in the first place, uh, that it's not that physical hurting is not solving, does not solve the problem, and we don't want to have it. We don't want to be in an environment where we have there's a chance that we may be punched or hurt in some way physically. So so when our children are younger, we need to be able to teach them how to solve their problems without doing that. Now in schools, those rules are very clear. There's the hands-off rule. And if a child you know, does put hands on as in you know, a physical aggression, then that's treated very seriously. And we do that because we want our children to learn how to resolve issues in a, in a better way, in a higher way, level way. And our girls, when they're doing it, it's uh, seen straight away as something, oh, no, 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 no. But if the boys are uh, physically fighting or rumbling, they sometimes call it instead of fighting, but it half the time turns into a fight because it goes too far uh, then of course we go oh, they're, oh but they're just being boys but they need to learn just as much as the girls do so every time that that occurs and we waver it off thinking they're just boys and that's okay we're taking away the opportunity for them to learn how to solve their problems in a better way so Make sure, you know, by, by creating a family home in which physical hurting is not accepted and that they need to actually solve it in the proper way. Going into that area and how to, how to actually implement that uh, probably requires another workshop um, but, uh, or you can uh, look at one of my books on that one on how to make sure that that's discouraged really easily. Um, shouting also an issue and that's something you might not want to have in your home uh, when there's arguments. Do you want to have people calmly trying to resolve the issue or do you want people shouting away whenever there's some sort of uh, issue that arises? Because it becomes a really an environment in which everybody is walking on eggshells and that's certainly not what you want and it's certainly not what children want and they will start to want to be away from that very quickly. I have a lot of young children, when I'm talking with them, who uh, talk about that issue at home, that's happening at home very often to me. And it really does upset them, and it really makes them very anxious because they don't have any control over what's going on in those environments. Uh, you might be talking about uh, solving problems, like if someone has a problem with someone outside of the family home and then uh, everyone can help to give suggestions and solutions for those problems. You would probably want to create logical consequences as well when you're making the rules. So if you decide to make the rules that uh, you can only be on the computer for one hour, if someone goes over that hour, then you might decide, okay, if 
what if someone goes over the hour? If we all agree that we're only going to have an hour, what if someone goes over the hour? What will I? What will we do then? And uh, you might have a rule. I know that we did. Where you know, if it's an ten minutes over the hour, I'd just be watching my clock and go, oh, 10 minutes over already, guys. Geez, okay. Well, I'll just keep timing and and I'll take that off tomorrow's uh, hour, and watch them get off that really quick. Uh, you might also be doing uh, meal planning during that uh, meeting or holiday planning during that meeting. So you can make it fun too and finish it off with a game, game of Uno or a game that you can play together as a family. So that it makes it a fun time, not a time where it's another opportunity for mum and dad to lecture. So the benefits of family meetings, they keep lines of communication open. They are an intentional space to express discontentment in a productive way. Now, I can also say that's an intentional space in which they can practice and learn how to express that discontentment in a productive way. Uh, It's a place where they can build family connection and unity, and you can, as a parent, also ensure that connection is still there and strong. You know how your kids are really feeling and what they're experiencing. It develops uh, problem-solving skills for your children so that they can then go outside of the home into school and be able to use those skills to solve issues that they might have with their friends at school. It builds self-esteem and resilience in children to have input in their day-to-day lives. And it's a space to announce, you know, big family decisions. It can be a time to discuss serious family issues, practicing the skill of problem solving, brainstorming ideas, and coming up with different solutions. So we want to be able to, another opportunity uh, for you to help your child is to, uh, at home, and therefore help them at school is to give the right attention to them. So when uh, set up a regular time uh, each day, if you can, with each of your children, that's one-on-one time. Now that might be some children, you know, have parents who say, oh, they really like helping with uh, making dinner. So I always get them to you know, grate the carrot or so that they can help out. And it's a nice opportunity to spend a little bit of time with that particular child. Uh, other kids might like to have it at night, have a book read to them and to be able to sit with them then just have a little chat. But if you can have an opportunity with each child, it gives them the knowledge that they have a space each day where they can uh, vent They can talk to you about problems that they may have that's coming home from school, uh, that they may want to just be able to bounce off you. And most of the time, it'll just be normal talking and there'll be nothing really, you know, fantastic to discuss. And then suddenly, one day they'll just, you know, open up about something that's really bothering them. And they'll use that opportunity to do that. And you'll think, wow, I'm so glad they thought that they could say that and had that opportunity to say that. So try and have a special space for that each day if you can with them. With homework, when they come home with homework, well, at one stage I was um, talking with 
new kindergarten parents and they were entering into term two and they were saying how all their children were going to now have homework the teacher was going to now give them homework to take home and oh they were talking well how are we going to do that oh I don't know we're going to have to space for that and and oh how are we going to uh oh I won't have time to sit with her and uh, I have to help her with that and well, okay, let's have a look at that because do we have to be there all the time? Because is it our homework or is it their homework? I always say that homework for you, for our responsibility as a parent is to create a time and a space for homework. Sure, that's our responsibility because we have to make sure that there is time available for them. If we're taking them from activity to activity, then it's very hard for them to to have that opportunity the time to sort of sit down and get their homework done and the space well yes a clear space table or have the dinner table clear so that they can actually sit down and open up their books and do their homework the other area is of course getting their homework done well guess what that's their responsibility it's their homework they know all about it they know what the teacher's expectation is and so they need to get that homework done and make sure that it's ready to go usually by the end of the week because homework's usually given at the beginning of the week and has to be ready by the end of the week so that children are learning how to spread out their time how to time manage to get their homework done and also because some uh, evenings are more time available than other evenings at home so it's usually done over a week period and they'll have to get that done if they don't where's the consequence well the consequence of course is with the teacher and the teacher will be looking at whether your child's getting the work done how well they're doing it if they ask you for help uh, along the way that's fine but try to get them to sort of think it through so that they are really feeling like they're achieving it themselves. They're just getting a bit of a start up on it. And then stay. Then, then walk away again. Don't be there available all the time going through it one by one with them. If you teach that to them now, you won't have any problems down the track. If you don't do that now, then you're going to be with them for the next 12 years doing their homework. And trust me, that is not going to feel good so do it now if they fail now and they don't hand in their homework they get that consequence where the teacher goes where is your homework Billy what everybody else has their homework how come you don't have your homework and get put on the spot then much more likely they will start uh, making sure that they're on top of it and if they know that you're not on top of it they will feel like they have to be on top of it Uh, but if they think that you're on top of it well, they're human beings just like we are. They're going to sit back and take advantage of that, of course. So it's important for them to finish it themselves. It's their own homework. It's to do with their learning. And their learning is uh, something that, that needs to be seen by them as their responsibility. And in school, in the classroom, that's how it's done as well. The teachers are very focused on ensuring that each child really believes that they have the choice over their learning and how well they want to how much they want to put into it and how much they don't Uh, make those school mornings work so 
I could go through school mornings into a great big deal, but we would be here for quite a long time. And it's probably another whole uh, workshop in itself. But uh, school mornings try to keep on top of it so that they are not late to school because that's the one thing I just want to point out here today is that um, being late to school occasionally sure fine no problem but being late to school on a regular basis can really uh, be a detriment to your child's sense of belonging within that school environment they will start to feel like there are conversations and things happening while they're not there and so they won't feel they belong as much as uh, the rest of the class does so please make sure that they are there on time as regularly as possible not to mention of course missing out on learning time as well so what uh, do we do if our child comes home from school upset well we want to be able to encourage self-belief We want to encourage them to believe in their own ability to be able to solve problems and to be able to handle challenges that are going to come across uh, from time to time. So how do we do that when they come home and they're upset? Okay, so the first thing we we really want to do is take the time to just, just listen. Listen to them. Don't react in any way, even though you're feeling that you want to protect them or you want to show that you are ready to stand by their side. What they really need at that point in time is to be heard. They want to be able to bounce it off you. They want you to listen to them. Just like we do when we come home from a bad day at work, we want to tell maybe our partners about it or uh, friends about it. But we don't want them to then go, right, that's it, I'm off to your work, I'm going to talk to your boss, I'm going to tell them off. That's not what we want. We just want you to listen. That's all we need you to do. And so that's all they want us to do, really, at this point in time. They want to see what our reaction is. If, if we're calm and we're sitting there just listening to them, then they can stay calm and find a way to resolve it and think of a way to resolve it. They can go about the business of trying to resolve it for themselves. Discuss what it might be happening for all involved, not just your child. So ask your child what what that other child might have been thinking. Why would they have reacted that way? What, what, What might have been in their mind? How might they be feeling? Because nine times out of ten, it's all unintentional and all misunderstood and usually can be cleared quite quickly, and particularly in primary school, because they're all just learning. They're all learning how to interact. Uh, years three and four, they start to really interact with each other, so their social skilling starts to come into play a lot more, and that's where I often get called in to help in schools but uh, even from kindergarten they're learning all the time kids coming up to them you know a lot more kids than they're used to coming up to them and uh, you know walking past brushing past them or just uh, taking something out of their hands and so they're things that our kids need to sort of just be able to work out what's going on here why is that child doing that What do I need to do in order to get that child not to be doing that in the future? So try not to judge 
the other child or the children because they're your children's friends and they don't want to hear negativity about their children, their friends. They want to hear just how to handle their friends and what they need to be able to do so that their friends can be really good friends to them and they can be good friends to them <laughs> as well. Be solution focused. Uh, try to uh, not hover too much over the 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 injustice of it all focus more on how do we fix this now what can we do to solve this and we're telling our children then that there are solutions to every problem and absolutely important to let our children know that there are many solutions to every problem and we have to think outside the box and try to find a way to solve the problem uh, don't take over the problem. Don't uh, say, right, that's it. I'm going off to your teacher and uh, you leave it with me. And uh, and they sit back and don't have to do any more because then you create a child who stays a victim and doesn't actually get up and solve the issue. And you don't want your child to think that that's the only way they can they can deal with things. But if we get up and solve the problem for them, then we're we're taking away the opportunity for them to learn but we are also sending them a message that says I don't believe that you can do this yourself and that's not a good message to send to your child avoid any knee-jerk reactions jumping up and just going up and writing an email um, directly after the your child's given one side of a story so just hold off and just hear what's going on and find out what your child actually wants from you why are they telling you and what are they expecting from you keep your child involved if you can at every stage of that solution process including if it's a need to approach the school about it or approach the teacher about it make sure that your child is kept involved all the time make sure that they agree with what you're wanting to try and do it's their problem remember it's not it's not our problem so keep them there in the front in the driver's seat and let them know that they are in the driver's seat because if you take that away from them they will feel like it's out of their control so next time something happens they probably won't tell you about it because they'll be thinking if I tell mum she'll go off and do this and that's not what I want so I better not tell her because I can't control that. No matter what I say to her, she just goes, no, I'm going to go up and tell the teacher or whatever. So make sure that they're in agreement with you. Talk to them about it and, and get them to be in agreement with you if you can. Encourage them to solve the problem rather than simply avoiding it. So many, many parents I know out of frustration because you're not there at school so you don't know what other solution to give to your child so you say to them, just don't play with them. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that that child probably plays with all their other friends and so if you say to your child, don't play with that child, then they lose not only that child's friendship but they lose all their other friends as well because the other child will be playing with them. I have many times heard children say to me, oh no, I can't play with them anymore because mum says I can't play with Joe, you know. So be very aware of that. The way we want to solve the problem isn't necessarily going to help them solve the problem at school. 
and they're the ones who are the experts about what will work and what won't work so we should be listening to them about that anyway when you need to become involved in solving problems at school so when do we get involved in approaching the school about it uh, well the first thing is don't discuss your child's problems with other school parents because first of all it's a privacy issue it's your child's problem she's come to you with that problem and then she hears you going off talking to other parents about it that's not going to be a good look uh, the other you know we need to show our children that we respect their their privacy and when they come to us with a problem that we we keep it with us only uh, never approach your child's friends that's first of all illegal because it's an imbalance of power a child being approached by an adult is very um, scary so uh, it's not it's not going to solve the problem either it just creates more problems for those children and nine times as I say nine times out of ten kids don't really know or not intentionally trying to hurt other kids feelings uh, they're just using the skills that they've learned. That's all they're doing. It's something that they've learned at that point in time and they're the skills that they've got and that's what they have to work with as well. Remember there are always two sides to every story and your child's always going to give you the best version that makes them look okay. Uh, but while they're telling you that story, they're also processing it in their in their mind as well and they, they know how how much they contributed and how much they didn't and they just need to um, be able to process that and accept that and understand that without feeling like it's getting taken out of their hands as well uh, make an appointment see your child's teacher first uh, the teacher is the first point of call at the school and they really want everything to work well. They are there wanting every child in their classroom to love being there and to love um, the environment and feel a sense of belonging. So it's really important to the teacher that every child feels that way. And if a child is not, then they really want to know that. Nine times out of ten, they're going to already be aware of something going on and so they can fill you in a bit more about the other side of the story. Um, but uh, sometimes they, they are not aware of it and, uh, and it is really helpful to them to know what's going on. But it's probably uh, the most important thing is that you bring your child with you and let them tell the teacher what the problem is. So they need to be with their teacher every day. So it's really important that they feel that their teacher is on their side and their teacher understands them as well, not just their parents. Uh, lastly, always set the right example by striving to maintain a really positive and cooperative relationship with the school. Because if you have a positive, cooperative relationship with the school, you will achieve what you need to achieve. If it becomes a situation where you are trying to defend your child and somehow see the school as not doing the right thing by your child, that becomes a real problem. And your child sees that happening and thinks that that's how you have to solve problems uh, when you have uh, problems between in relationships. We don't need to do that. We're all on the side of our children, including the schools. So 
make sure that you maintain a really good relationship with the school and always give them the, um, the opportunity to solve problems that might come up along the way. All right, I hope that that's uh, given you a bit of insight into what you can do for your child, um, preparing them for school, but also when they are at school and during their journey through school. And if, if you're supporting them in a positive way from home, then your child will be fine. It's a matter of just being there to be able to listen to them. When they have a problem at school, which they will, it's normal. It's absolutely normal. We'd never, it would never be possible to go throughout school without any hiccups. And we're working with a lot of kids, a lot of personalities, a lot of skills that, you know, very uh, different and not honed yet. And a lot of social skills that are certainly trying to be uh, navigated and so we're going to come up against problems all the time and that is a gift it's a gift because it allows our children to learn and trial and error and practice and learn and practice and learn and that's that's what you're there for for them to come home to be able to vent to hear you hear them out and to think of some new ways to walk out the door the next morning ready for school happy to get up there and try again and all that trial and error will help them the more they gain now in kindergarten and in the primary school time the less problems they have to encounter down the track because they'll know what to do so practice 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 Um, they will find their way and you will be there as their safety net all the time thanks very much everyone Uh, we might have some questions now Okay, I hope you enjoyed listening to that talk that I did uh, for mainly kindergarten and uh, primary school children. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Saskia and Lita podcast. You can follow Saskia and Lita 1 on Instagram and Facebook and send us your questions, which we'll be able to answer in upcoming episodes. You can also listen to the podcast on my website, redirectingchildren.com. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Join us next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.